As Catholics, we begin every prayer with the sign of the cross. The sign of the cross begins by acknowledging God the Father. But do we really understand what we mean when we call God Father? Do we recognize that He is our Father? Join us today as we discuss what it means to have God as our Father with special guest Neil Lozano, author of the book Abba's Heart, Finding Our Way Back to the Father's Delight. I'm Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, and you're watching Franciscan University Presents. Stay with us. Welcome to Franciscan University Presents. Today we're going to be talking about God the Father. I'm your host, Michael Hernan, Vice President of Advancement here at Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, joined by our regular panelists, uh, starting with Regis Martin, uh, Professor of Systematic Theology here at Franciscan University, and uh, Scott Hahn, who holds the Father Michael Scanlon Chair in Biblical Theology in the New Evangelization, um, and our special guest today, Neil Lozano. Uh, Neil is the uh, Director of Heart of the Father uh, Ministries, as well as a Senior Coordinator for the House of God's Light. Uh, together with his wife, Janet, they travel throughout the world, uh, bringing people the, the freedom uh, in Christ. You're an author of a number of books, but today we're going to be talking about Abba's Heart, Finding Our Way Back to the Father's Delight. So welcome to the program. Well, thank you. It's great to be here with you. Yeah, yeah. So uh, this is a book that I, I, I really love, and I'm so glad you wrote. But I have to ask, what, what prompted you in writing this book? Well, I think, I think I was compelled to do it. I, I, uh, I don't find writing easy for me, okay. creating, inspiration, speaking, but writing is very difficult. But I felt compelled to do it because this message is really my life's message. Hmm. It's, uh, it captures the fact that Jesus, uh, over the years, has led me to a relationship with the Father, yes. which I didn't know in the beginning when I first encountered the Lord. And uh, so it's, it's, it's something that's, as I reflect on my journey, reflect on the years of being a, a disciple of Jesus, I understand now that all the trials and all the brokenness, all the difficulties and all the encounters and all the moments of grace can be just summed up in that Jesus was leading me to the Father. Mm. And so the, the re purpose of the book is to, is to help people chapter by chapter come into a deeper relationship with the Father. Yeah, yeah. I know for myself that I, I, as a Catholic, you know, baptized, baptized in the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I, I know that, but there was so much of my life that I, I it, it took me a long time even just to get to know Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize uh, until many years later that I knew of the Father, but I really didn't know the Father. Mm -hmm. um, is that something that you found as well? And then are you finding that common, uh, if you will? Well, when I, th I look back at my, at my story, it was, um, it's great to be here at Franciscan because it was Father Mike Scanlon, who was my cousin, was at our house in 1970. <laughs> and he came in and he was telling these stories about these miracles and things going on. And, <laughs> and I asked him to explain the Mass to me. And he said to me, he said, he said, well, you'll never understand what's going on at Mass unless you know God when you go in. Mm. And in that moment, I realized I, I didn't have faith. Mm -hmm. It was like this awareness inside this conflict and I was protesting but I'm an altar boy but my parents pray and yeah. and in the next five minutes I came to encounter with the Lord Jesus and 
experienced the Holy Spirit, and my life changed, and I began to follow him. Mm. But it wasn't until two years later that I realized that I didn't know the Father. Mm. And what it was is I, I began to experience this emptiness in my life and a struggle, and I didn't know what was missing. And then there was this priest that came over to the house I was staying at, and he kept talking about the Father. And he didn't mention Jesus, he didn't mention the Holy Spirit, whom I knew. I thought I knew. And, uh, and I was like irritated by it. I was irritated that he was, he doesn't seem to know Jesus, you know. <laughs> and the Spirit of Jesus is the Holy Spirit. And, and I was protesting. And then my inner protest finally got to the place where I said something really ridiculous. I said, uh, and the Father is second best. <laughs> and then I realized something's wrong here. <laughs> and I came to realize I don't know the Father. Yeah, yeah I, I just don't know the Father. Yeah. And then I, then I went back to Father Mike, and he prayed for me, and I went through a, a forgiveness of my dad, not for what he did do, because I didn't have any bad things to bring, but is for what he didn't do, mm. which I think we all need because our, our fathers are not God. That's right. And so that, that was when the spark of the Father's love entered my heart and my vision, and then it began to build from there. Then I became a father. I began to realize that I couldn't be a good father unless I knew how to be a son. Yeah. You know? And then I began to see the Father in, in everything Jesus did. I remember the first time was Good Friday and Jesus on crucified Jesus on the cross and I saw God's broken heart over his son and then I began to ask you know I started to ask Lord show me the father and so that journey continued and about 15 years later I had a had another major breakthrough that maybe I'll share later yeah. but it was just like there's this journey that we're all on uh, because Jesus is with us Revealing the Father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, what, what, what strikes me is that when you relegated uh, the Father to a kind of second-class uh, citizenship <laughs> and were properly reprimanded, uh, Jesus would have been the first to uh, reproach you. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, because uh, everything he did was, was pursuant uh, to the Father. His identity and his mission were trained yes. on the Father. But the two are not detachable. I mean, I hope you're not proposing that. Uh, because uh, the way to the Father is not a roundabout way. It must necessarily go through the Son. It's Absolutely. not oblique That's right. uh, or circuitous. It's not a secondary yeah. way of getting to the Father. Jesus shepherds us along the way. In fact, he shows us the Father. So Absolutely. wherever you bump into Jesus, there's the Father. Yeah. And of course, the Spirit prompting you to make that recognition. Yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. I'm just speaking about the process, the personal process. Yeah. Yeah. Humanly. The, yeah, humanly, how I came to encounter it. Yeah. I mean, that experience that you just shared in some ways summarizes a whole spectrum of truths because on the one hand we all have that experience of fathers you know whether they have been really good or not so good mm -hmm. they've loved us but they've also failed us you know on the other hand we also know that you know god as father is one of those things that just sort of you know it blends in with everything else yeah. you mm -hmm. know it becomes humdrum yeah and yet at the same time you point out in the book you know that in the old testament there was a real reticence to refer to God as Father. I remember doing this count with the rabbi's help that, you know, God, Elohim, occurs about 2,600 times, Yahweh, Lord, about 7,000 times, mm -hmm. 
father 17 times, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, and so Jesus comes, you know, and he's priest, prophet, king, shepherd, and all of the other things, but those were there in the Old Testament. You had priests and prophets, but you didn't have the only begotten son. Mm-hmm. And so in his first sermon, he refers to God as Father 17 times and yeah. calls his disciples to pray in a way that the high priest didn't even pray, the mm-hmm. Our Father. And, and so, I mean, there's a tug of war because on the one hand, we know what fatherhood is. Yeah. On the other hand, we don't really know what the heart of God is right. and that it purifies and perfects fatherhood. So you discover that the passion of Jesus is really traceable back to the passion of the father's heart. Mm-hmm. That it isn't like the son is placating the father's anger. The son is imaging the father's passionate love for us. Right. And I mean, it takes a lifetime, a series of breakthroughs, and you never do anything more than just approximate yeah. that kind of delight yeah. that I have in my kids, and God has it so much more in us. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. I just remember, even just as a as a dad, just speaking on a personal level, how I I really felt like I came to know God the Father at being a father for the first time, you know. And then I had just even a glimmer, and, and that was another breakthrough in my life, realizing if I love my child as much, how much more does God the Father love me? Right, you know. Yeah. Could, could we get back to Father Michael? Yeah. For a moment? <laughs> yeah. it, it's really it's really uh, curious. Uh, your relationship to him was that of a cousin, but thousands of people see Father Mike as father. Yes. Was that a breakthrough as well? This cousin is also paternal? <laughs> well, he's, he really stepped into our lives when my father died. Mm-hmm. So he, oh. he took on a, a role yeah. of father. We didn't see him that often, yeah. but when he did, he came as a family member and related you know, it really stepped in, a, stepped in as a father. Right, for I see. But he, much older than you. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, he, yep. and uh, so he was there at major breakthroughs of my life. He was, he was always there. Yeah. 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 I mean, his memory lingers on at, at this place, but not only his memory, but I, I think his presence. Yeah. His presence felt prayers. It's palpable. Yes. You know, similarly, I, I moved here in 90, and what made it really irresistible was that I was 40 minutes from my father who was dying. Mm-hmm. So he died in 91, and Father Mike became our spiritual father mm-hmm. by 92. He baptized our three last sons, yeah. but really became a father to both Kimberly, a spiritual director, and to me as well. I mean, it was that attribute, more than being chancellor, president, dean, right. rector, yeah. all of those things. I mean, all of those things added up, fell short of what he, he, he not only exhibited, he exuded spiritual fatherhood. And I mean, I'm, I'm sure he would be the first to say I was not perfect, but I tell you, he was an improvement on practically every other version I had ever experienced. You know, I have seen other priests who exude that kind of spiritual fatherhood. Mm. Father Ryland, for example, yes. yeah. uh, who's gone on too. But uh, this, these gifts are singular. They're not just special. They're precious and rare, like diamonds. And our world needs it, because uh, oh, yeah. we need it. Our world doesn't want it, though. No, I know, <laughs> I know, but, that, but that's ultimately the, the, the wounds of our world. Uh, and and uh, for, for many of us, Father Mike and others have stepped in yeah. to image uh, yeah. the Father, to show us that. And, uh, and it's, uh, it's one of the great privileges in my life to, to, have, to be able to carry this message of the fatherhood of God, and for people to see in me something of the Father's heart. And it began when we were doing missions in Eastern Europe and, and, uh, and you know, fathers have just been wiped out by communism and it, it just uh, the abandonment is just, and the alcoholism and the absence of fathers. And, and we began to see this universal 
this universal desire to know God the Father, to fill that hole that, that has come because of a, a lack of fatherhood, and to be able to communicate a message that you can really know the Father through the Son, right. and you can come to know Him, and, and you can know the Father that has always loved you, loves you now, and will always be there for you, waiting for you. And so one of the things was, was just for me, you know, when I talked about my conversion experience, I came to know Jesus as my Lord and, and my Savior in different ways. It's a long story. But then I had to learn uh, to understand Him as, my, as the Son of God. Because previously, the Son of God just meant that He was God. That's how I interpreted that term. He's the Son of God. Oh, He's God. But there's a whole other dimension to it is that if the Son dwells in me, then that's my place before the Father. That's, that's the way the Father looks upon me because the Son dwells in me. And so to know Jesus as the Son is the corresponding uh, truth to knowing God as the Father. You can't know one without the other. I think it's unfortunate that people will often say, I find the image of God, the Father, oppressive. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. that it's patriarchal or that it is, you know, ancient authoritarian. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and it's ironic, I think, too, that they would prefer to have God referred to as Lord. Because the Lord is the master. The Lord has mm-hmm. servants. Master has slaves. You know, it just shows how deep the father wound goes, mm-hmm. that people aren't even aware of what it is that caused the wound, that it wasn't fatherhood, it was a kind of counterfeit fatherhood, or it was a, a subversion of that. Uh, you know, I, I like to tell my kids that God has given you a father so that you can come to know God for who he is, but he's given you a father who has failed you at times, mm-hmm. so you'll never settle for anything less. That mm-hmm. disconnect that you speak of, which is pretty pervasive uh, today, uh, would have been unthinkable uh, for the church when she fashioned the creeds, mm-hmm. because they join uh, fatherhood with force and power. I believe in one God, Father Almighty. There's no pause between the two. There's not even a comma. Mm-hmm. They, they are conjoined in a mysterious way. Paternity and power. Mm-hmm. The absolute distance, absolute right. proximity. Yeah. Uh, they're fused. Uh, and that's a revolutionary breakthrough. Yeah. The, the Father that we, we profess a belief in loves us yeah. with an intensity of love that is, that is eternal. Yeah, yeah but, but, it, but he, is, he is hidden. Like uh, no. I was speaking to a focused missionary uh, several months ago, and she said to me, I was raised in a Catholic family. I am Catholic. My father's a deacon, and I'm a focused minis- missionary. But I never knew that Jesus came to reveal the Father until I read your book. No. And it's like there's, there's that disconnect, which is yeah. like yeah. Sh- almost shocking. Had they never read John's Gospel? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think you find it pretty common, not just yep, right. this individual. Yeah. I, think, I think people do. I mean, I read John's Gospel many times yeah. before I started to, to understand yeah. the Father in a personal way personal way. But that exchange with Philip uh, in John's Gospel, uh, Scott will know chapter and verse, but Philip (laughs) says, look, we've been with you a long time. When will you show us the Father? Philip, 
Yeah. Don't you see? If you see me, you see the Father. He sent me. Yeah. I'm here to reveal his face. And he was with Jesus. Yeah, constantly. The Father couldn't was there. couldn't see him even right. though he right. could see him because yeah. Jesus was there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There, and it's our, the wounds of sin, the culture, the world. And, you know, we talked about on the show in the past, it's even just our own Father and the image of right. our earthly fathers gets that gets in the way, that distracts, creates a stumbling block. Uh, stay with us for the next segment on Franciscan University Presents. God as Father knows us completely, knows us in our faults and in our strengths, in the areas that we struggle. But even with that full knowledge, He loves us, loves us completely, loves us to our very core, with all of that that we come to Him. When I think about God the Father, I think about the verse from Romans where it says that we don't receive a spirit of fear, but a spirit of adoption in which we call it Abba Father. Um, and that reminds me of my personal vocation that I've received from the Lord um, in baptism when He adopted me as His daughter. Um, and that he knows where, who I am and he knows where I'm going. I mean, when I don't think I can fulfill the tasks that he's given to me um, or that I don't have the skills to get there, that I can call it to him and I can call Abba Father. I'm scared, I'm, not, I'm afraid, but I don't have to fall back into that, but I can continue on um, to achieve what he has called me to. People recognize Franciscan University as being academically excellent and passionately Catholic. We have the unique opportunity through our faculty members, through our students, to proclaim that academic excellence by reaching out in many different ways. We also remain passionately Catholic in the way in which we are able to worship, the way in which we are able to bring that love of Christ to others on a daily basis. It's important for us to be able to embrace both. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking with Neil Lozano about his book, uh, Abba's Heart, Finding Our Way Back to the Father's Delight. Um, Neil, we've painted a picture that, that God um, has so much to reveal to us, so much that maybe our world has, has lost or, or maybe it's hidden in, in many ways, uh, coming into relationship with God the Father. Um, but when we think about things that separate us, uh, it, it's almost our woundedness uh, that keeps us probably separated. What is the greatest wound, uh, if you will, of, of mankind, of humanity, if you will, uh, at this time? Well, when I, when I think of the greatest wound, I, I go back to the garden. Mm. And I think that the uh, original sin was really based on the lie that God was not good, that God wasn't a good father, and he couldn't be trusted. And so, um, so every time we sin, or whenever... When sin came into the world and we continue to sin, we're continually swallowing that same lie mm. that God is not good, that we can't trust Him, that we have to do it ourselves, we have to figure it out ourselves. And, and from that has come the experience, the human experience of being forsaken and rejected. I mean, we're the ones that rejected God. We're the ones that turned on Him. But with the, with the consequence of that, uh, the evil and the death and the, the loss and, and so much evil in our world, we're left wondering, where is God? Yeah. You know, did He forsake us? Did He abandon us? Did He leave us? And so when we minister to people, we find like the deepest wound is that, is that sense of rejection, that sense of not belonging, the sense of not having a father that cares and protects uh, them. Mm -hmm. and, and the blame is like, 
what's wrong with me. And so I know there's, there's many different ways of, of seeing Jesus on the cross crying out, Father, uh, you know, uh, uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But for me, in a very personal way, it's Jesus identifying with our sins, taking our sins on, and experiencing our deepest wound, and then speaking it to the Father on our behalf. Yeah. Mm. And, uh, and experiencing the depth of, of the forsakenness and the abandonment that we experienced, not that was in reality, but that we experienced. Right, 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 right. And he brought it to the Father so that we could be free to, to know the Father. Yeah. You know, to take that one step further, St. Thomas insists that Jesus' love as the divine Son enabled him to suffer not less than we do, but much more. Mm. Because love doesn't diminish our capacity to suffer. It enlarges it, mm. it intensifies it, it purifies it. And so when Jesus is crying out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It isn't because the Father can't see his Son, he can only see our sin. It's because this divine love has entered into human sorrow mm -hmm. with a passion mm. that goes beyond all of the suffering of the human race, yeah. as hard as that might be for us to believe. Yeah. Mm. But it's pure I, love. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. always reminded of, of C.S. Lewis's insight that if you love anything, even a stupid dog, it's going to break your heart. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. This is the suffering of love. He literally enters into the desolation of, of the lost. Mm -hmm. uh, the prodigal son. How do we know the story? Balthazar says it's because the narrator is Jesus. He, he assumes the form of the father's love mm -hmm. and goes out into that forlornness which the prodigal must endure mm -hmm. and can tell us the story. He's narrating it. Yeah. But both sons need the mercy of, of the Father. Yes. Mm. They can't view him as, as, a, a, as an impersonal force of, of justice, the guy who owns the farm, and I have to placate somehow. Yeah. Yeah. He loves them even more than they love their sin. Yeah, well, you, you point out that it goes back to the garden, you know, and we recognize there, not only did Adam distrust God, and you know, the, the, the fatherhood of God was eclipsed by a kind of competitive relation, that God's gain will be my loss, my gain will be his loss, mm -hmm. You know, and, and completely undermines and subverts what was really true. But what he transmits to us as our founding father, Adam does, is this sort of original sin, which is an original distrust. Mm -hmm. And it's a feeling of solitude and fear and that sort of thing. And you can see that it's not only the failures of the fathers, it's also the failure of the kids, you know, that we all share this common lot of weakness and fear. And I, and I think we recognize how it is, at least in my home. You know, my kids had a much easier time of relating as children to mother. That's right. You know, and so, you know, she would try to make it safe for them to approach me, and I would try to show them how much I loved her also and that mm. I gave her to you yeah. as my <laughs> gift as a father, you know. But I mean, it's something that you have to grow up into naturally. How much more do we have to grow up into it supernaturally? Yeah. The Holy Spirit is given. The Father sends the Son to give us the spirit of sonship. Romans 8, Galatians 4, Mark 14, Abba. You know, so that the Spirit calls us to cry out, Abba, Father. It's mm -hmm. sort of like one of the principal works of the Holy Spirit is to show us the face of God's fatherly love. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I think about when, when you go from the garden and go for our own lives and the experience of, of sin in this world, we have two choices. You know, we have the choice of following uh, the, the enemy's plan for our lives or God's plan. And it really is, uh, do we want to believe the lies mm -hmm. uh, that we can't trust this 
good and gracious God who is, cre- is the creator of all, yeah. um, are we going to step into that sonship? And, and that's what sin does. It separates us from God. We know that mortal sin cuts you know, the life of God off yeah. uh, from within us, but, it, but it's, it's cutting off the Father's love. Yeah. Who he is that 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 father that can't wait that is seeking us out and that is Jesus and that's what we see in Jesus. But Jesus is also reflecting the heart of the Father. Yeah. Uh, let, let me uh, share a, 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 an anecdote. Uh, this morning I stumbled uh, into the faculty lounge and a couple of my colleagues were talking about eggs, hard boiled, uh, poached, scrambled, sunny side <laughs> up. And I thought to myself, you know, students wish they could eavesdrop on the conversation of faculty because we're always wrestling with cosmic uh, conundrums, <laughs> being and nothingness. And here we're talking about stupid eggs. And I was about to say something when one of my colleagues ventured this really profound metaphor. He said, that's really a figure for the human condition. Humpty Dumpty, this giant egg who falls off the wall. That's us. We're all Humpty Dumpty. We all have to be put back together again. Mm. We're broken. Yes. Some are more uh, scrambled than others, but we're all in a state of, uh, of, uh, of brokenness. Mm. We're shattered. That's yeah. so true. That is so true. So we need, we need a father to piece back yeah. together. And going back to the story of the prodigal son, the thing that really has helped a lot of people to approach the father is to know from that story that the father's heart is broken, that it was broken in the beginning when he lost his children. And Jesus explains that to us through that story, that the father's heart is continually broken over how lost we are. Right, Mm. yeah. But it also ends with joy, so that the father's heart is always broken Mm. but filled with joy at the same moment for each of us. And um, and when, when we have that in our hearts, it can dispel, like, good Catholic man that I just spoke to a few weeks ago, he said, oh, God the Father's scary to me. You know, he's, he's, he's a very devoted Catholic, but God the Father's scary to me. And, and, and it, that image it needs to be, that, that, that thought needs to be dispelled. Oh, sure. That Forgiveness means. needs to be given. Right. And the, the image of the broken heart of, of the Father, he didn't come to condemn us, he came to save us. That's right. It's a rescue mission. You know, yeah. That man's name is Legion, for there are many right. people yeah. who yeah. are afraid of the Father. You know, And you can think of why, because the devil is the great liar, the deceiver, mm-hmm. and yet, ironically, he's called the father of lies. Right. Yeah. And the greatest lie that he tells is that God the Father is the liar, mm-hmm. so that we can't trust him. That's right. You know, and even when we read Scripture, I think we have this sort of... Tension, you know. On the one hand, in Matthew five, we read in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, "Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect." Mm-hmm. We're like, "Oh, yikes!" <laughs> and then in Luke six, "Be merciful as your Father in heaven is merciful." Oh, you know, opt for that. But the point that Jesus <laughs> makes in both places is that the perfection of fatherhood is manifested in mercy and merciful love. Right. It isn't just pity; it's the power of God, the Father Almighty, and likewise, it's that mercy that he wishes to give us that will perfect us and make us like him so that we can show mercy to our own kids and everybody else right. who's yeah. broken in our yeah. path. Well, obviously, we need it more now than ever, which is why 
uh, Sister Faustina That's was right. uh, the beneficiary of mm -hmm. those extraordinary uh, revelations, uh, you know, telling us that the abyss of the Father's mercy is so deep that even when we are immersed in misery and sin, we are somehow engulfed by this great sea of mercy. I mean, his mercy uh, somehow outruns mm -hmm. our sin. So that yeah. should give us hope yeah. and confidence. It's a beautiful prayer, eternal Father. You know, it's, it's right. calling on the mercy. to the Father, this yeah. fount of mercy. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so significant that he's an eternal Father. He's yeah. not an eternal creator. That's he's right. not an eternal lawgiver. He's not an eternal <laughs> judge. Yeah. All those are a subset of right. eternal fatherhood. Yeah. And so, so if, if God's heart is broken and weeps, uh, at, at, at our sin and the separation, uh, what does our repentance look like uh, in the heart of the Father? Well, it's the, it's the prodigal return. Yeah. You know, when we, when we minister to people and we, we, you know, bring them through forgiveness and repentance and maybe some renunciation and, uh, and there's a, a, a release of freedom, the picture I always have in my mind is that the Father's running, mm, <laughs> that mm. He's running to them. Yeah. And, uh, and I just got to get out of the way because he wants to embrace them and he wants to bless them and, and fill them with, uh, yeah. with the kind of words and comfort that they've been missing and longing for because of all the darkness that has, uh, has been with them. Yeah, so, that, so as they receive that, as they go through that uh, as part of your ministry, you know, what, what does the Father's love do to heal the wounds uh, in our lives? What, what does that look like, I guess? Well, if, if the deepest wound is the father wound, which is going back to the garden, it, it is the deepest wound. We lost the father. Mm. Um, uh, and then it, that's repeated through our fathers who are all born in sin. Yeah. No matter how great they are, they, they fall short. And, and we're born in sin, so even if they're great, we interpret what they do wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? and, and we're operating out of this this loss, and when we start to see that picture and understand it and start to, start to uh, forgive and to turn from the darkness and turn from the lies, the deceptions, then, uh, then the Father's just ready to, to come in and to fill that hole. Yeah. And so yeah. that we can start to say, Abba, Father. Mm. We can start to, start to know that we've, you know, I've, I've told people, I've said, you know, sometimes people renounce the lie that they're unwanted. And, I, and I'll, I'll encourage somebody to say, renounce the lie that you're unwanted. And they'll say, I was unwanted. <laughs> my, father, <laughs> my father told me I was unwanted. My yeah. mother said I was a mistake. And I said, well, wait a second. That's not the full picture. You know, that's the small story of your experience in life and how, how evil and darkness has surrounded you. But there is a larger story, and it's the eternal story of the Father yeah. and the Son and the Holy Spirit and redemption means that Jesus came from that eternal story into your darkness right. and is breaking you out into the eternal story. Yeah, that's very freeing. And yeah. you are always yeah. wanting. Your miserable story unfolds from within his story. Yeah. 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 There's a beautiful poem by uh, R.S. Thomas, uh, who was an Anglican uh, priest uh, from Wales. I can't remember the title, but, but the scene is God, Father, Son, Spirit, sitting down in heaven, surveying the wreckage of, of, of the world, people writhing in misery everywhere. And then the son turns to the father and says, send me. And the father, prompted by the spirit, yeah. aspirates their love, commissions him to go down and clean up that mess <laughs> by entering into the mess. 
I, I love that point in the parable where we're told the father doesn't wait for the prodigal to return, but goes out. He's not hidden away, sequestered inside this castle, and you've got to approach him through all sorts of emissaries. He's right there in the flesh, waiting uh, and, 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 and rushing towards yes. uh, this prodigal. who He wants him more than the son wants to be uh, uh, restored. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's so true. I, I want to go deeper into the father's heart in the next segment. Uh, stay with us on Franciscan University Presents. Usually when I pray the Our Father is when I'm at a loss for words and I don't really know like what I want to say to God in my heart. Like I have a lot to pray. And so I just always go back to the way like Jesus is, this is how, you know, you can pray to me. And it has everything in there. Like give us our daily bread, like give us everything we need, but at the same time, just like completely submitting ourselves to his will. My father is awesome. He is a really great image of God the Father. He um, was authoritative to me and kept me in line. And he helped me to not run off the cliff. He gave me these rules so I wouldn't run off the cliff. And God the Father is very similar. He doesn't give us these rules so that, we, so that he can take away our fun, but he gives us these rules so that we don't run off the cliff. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. This entire program springs forth from the very heart of Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio. We're taping the show right now in the Communication Arts Studio here on campus at Franciscan University. Um, our students are operating the cameras and equipment. Our regular panelists are theology professors here at the university. Uh, we've been talking with Neil Lozano about his book, uh, Abba's Heart, um, but I, I love the subtitle here, Finding Our Way Back to the Father's Delight. So we talked about how sin and, and the kind of the original wound, the original isolation that that brought, um, and God's desire to overcome that as the prodigal uh, son story really lays out for us. But if, if that's the idea that, that we're trying to find our way back to the Father's delight, how, how do we get to know uh, the heart of the Father? How do we get to know uh, God who is our Father? Well, it's we, a big question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you already mentioned many. Yeah. Many aspects of this, but I think I think one thing that is 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 really helpful is to know that from the beginning the Father delighted in us, mm. and when He looked upon Adam, He looked upon each one of us, and He saw that we were good, very good, yeah. and He 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 delighted in us as, as a father would delight in his children, and that's restored to us in Jesus. Mm. When Jesus went to to be baptized, He went into the river. And the heavens broke open, and the Father said, This is my Son, whom, in whom I take great pleasure, mm. in whom I delight. Uh, this is my beloved Son. Yeah. You know, so that's the position that Jesus restored us to. And so if we, can, if we can begin to overcome through repentance and forgiveness and renouncing the lies that we've believed yeah. and come to that place of, of recognition that, that what Jesus... Uh, one for us when he was baptized and the favor the Father gave him is now the favor on us. Uh, and that can be imparted to us by the grace of God, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, we can enter into that relationship in an ever-growing 
mm. relationship yeah. to the favor of the Father. Yeah, because you, you talk, we talked about sin in the last segment um, and, and how it separates us. In the book, you, all, you talk about how we have a choice to make, um, a choice between whether we're going to identify ourselves with the sin yep. um, or, our, our, or with the Son. And, and really, that's what being in the Father's delight is, is choosing to say our identity is found in Jesus yep. Christ, uh, yep. right? Um, and that's, that's a whole shift, moving from the slavery of sin uh, to real sonship. And, and so many times we, ident- we repent of our sin, focusing on the sin, and we don't focus on the Son in whom we're entering into yeah. uh, before the Father. You know, you point back to creation. You know, when God made these things, he said it was good, it was good. And then when it was man, male and female, it was very good. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just God looking at us and saying they're very good. It's, you know, his goodness is what caused us to exist, yeah. all yeah. creatures. But his Greatness is what caused man as male and female to bear his image and likeness. Mm-hmm. It's the power of his word that really enables us, shapes us to be very good. You know, yeah, And right. if that's true in the beginning, then when he sends that word out and that word becomes flesh, it's not just good or very good. It's something entirely new. It's, mm-hmm. it's a godliness. It's a deification where we become partakers of the divine nature and nothing less. Mm. And I think the power of the word of the Father, especially when that word is enfleshed, is a reminder to me that I've got to be careful about what words I utter to my kids. Mm. Because words have power. The, the, the word of power formed the universe. The yes. word made flesh is what redeemed the universe. And so if my words are going to reflect God's words, they better affirm the truth of the good. You know, I used to think, well, mothers are easy to please. Fathers are hard to satisfy. Mm. And then I began to realize the more I grew spiritually, no, fathers are easy to please. Yeah. But at the same time, they, they, they want to call you on to more. Mm-hmm. But we've got to stoop down to our children and now our grandchildren, <laughs> you know, and, and love them as they are and let that love be the very force of, of, of what raises them up mm-hmm. to the greatness of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this notion that God takes uh, delight in us, uh, that reaches right down to the bottom of all created being. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this, I think, should be the point of departure. Uh, when we try to dialogue with people who are uh, steeped in habits of sin. You are somebody. You're not junk. You may have been doing junk, but you are special. You are are precious. You are infinitely, uh, imperishably beautiful in the sight of God. Uh, Karl Barth uh, had it all wrong when he said the first word God spoke was a word of judgment, (laughs) of condemnation. No, it was a word of pleasure, uh, a benediction. This is good. What I made was good, and the good is diffusive of itself. And if I'm love, then I want to radiate that in everything I do and everything I make. It Mm -hmm. shines like the sun. Uh, We should be telling people that. Yeah, yeah, and and as we talked earlier about the idea that um, sin is us not trusting God, how do we grow in trusting the heart of the Father? I mean, because we we know intellectually uh, that He is good, uh, but just thinking about it practically, how do we grow in our relationship with 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 God the Father? And it seems to me it, it, there's a there's a big element of trust uh, that has to come into play uh, in that personal developing that personal relationship. One way I would answer that is by learning to ask. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. encourages us to ask the Father, you know. And, uh, and if, we, if we can ask from that place of a confident son or a confident daughter, yeah. it's different than asking as a beggar or as a slave or as an orphan, you know. But if we can 
if we can ask from that place and begin a history, begin to develop a history of recognizing God's favors, recognizing how God has worked, how he's entered into my life, and how he's not failed me. And, and looking back, like we prayed this six months for this, and, and then we forget. And we, but if we look back, we say, wow, over the next year, amazing things happened in my family. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a way of developing that relationship just by simply being like, uh, uh, being childlike. Uh, my youngest son, when he was, his, his birthday was in August, and before his birthday, he would like, write this long list asking for everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and he was the personality that said, it didn't matter whether he got it all, he just liked to ask. <laughs> and and after, after his birthday, he started his Christmas list. <laughs> you know? yeah. Another one of my sons would never ask for anything. Yeah. But he had something of that childlike trust in the Father. Right. That it didn't matter what I got, everything I asked for, I knew it was going to be good. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I think it's Bernard of Clairvaux who, mm. who spoke of uh, the canticle of canticles as mm. the masterpiece of, of the Holy Ghost. And I think it needs to be extended to every book of, of Scripture. If, if the Bible is sort of revelational of, of God's Word, what He wants to deposit uh, in human words, then the Our Father, that invention of the Son, uh, is not accidental. That's right. And the fact that it's a petitionary prayer is, is, is normative. It's not a prayer of praise primarily, but petition, give me this, give me that. And it's the ground and content of the church's hope. Mm-hmm. The whole eschatological vision of the church is reducible to those petitions mm-hmm. found in the Our Father. And it's the one prayer that we are enjoined to pray. Yeah. That's, right. That's right. That's right. And, and just hearing how, you know, that prayer that, that Christ taught us, I mean, all that he said in John and so forth, that he's point, his mission is pointing forward to the Father. So we, we know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and there obviously are some ways that our world has hidden uh, the Father from us and the enemy uh, has wanting to, to obscure the Father. Um, but developing that relationship begins by, by asking, developing deeper trust in, in God, or recalling His promises. You know, uh, we, we talk about that so many times that you know, we have a good Father mm-hmm. who is not slow in keeping His promises, although we are very impatient sometimes, <laughs> yeah. or think we know better than God. Yeah. Um, what are some ways that you've seen people kind of um, uh, come into deeper personal relationship uh, with the Father? Well, one of the ways is just the proclamation, you know, proclaiming the truth mm. that the Father's waiting for you and He's looking for you and He wants to embrace you. And, and uh, one practical way that people can, uh, can enter in is, you know, so many times people, faithful believers, always pray to Jesus. And, um, and they may have done it for 40 years. But to stop and pause and realize that Jesus dwells in me as the Son. And so take time and to talk to the Father, recognizing your identity in Jesus. And to, mm. and to recall, you know, when you receive the Eucharist, that this is the Father's gift. You know, that he, yeah. to remember the Father. Yeah. Uh, you know, when we celebrate the Passion, you know, think of the broken heart of the Father over His Son, mm. and think of how he, His heart broke over sin, and, um, and just, just remember Him. And, and I think as we remember Him and we speak to Him, take time to speak to Him, 
I think we can really develop a deeper relationship with the Father. Mm -hmm. When you uh, consider the habits of little children, they're forever asking for things That's that right. you're already disposed to give them. <laughs> yes. I have a daughter who, when she was very small, would always ask for a glass of very, very cold water. And I was giving it to her anyway, but it's nice to hear her ask. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Giussani says that the beggar is really the chief protagonist of history. His arms are outstretched. Mm -hmm. Give me this, give me that. And the fact that God wants to give him these things anyway, that doesn't matter. I mean, that's this wonderful irony. Mm -hmm. You beg for things that he's going to give you anyway, but he likes to hear you ask. Yes. Yeah. You know, coming to know Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord in my teenage years, and then learning how to pray to the Lord, you know, and, and hearing my fellow believers praying to the Lord all the time. Oh, Lord, we just, you know, and, and then becoming Catholic took it to a new level that I didn't really expect or I didn't see it coming because it's our Father, it's glory yeah. be to the Father, it's I believe in God the Father. Yeah. And in Jesus Christ, His only Son, but the Son really is what eternally results from God, eternally <clears throat> Father. And, and likewise, the motherhood of Mary and the fact that the saints have a role in the family, that the sacraments, that the spirit of sonship, and all of a sudden you realize why it is that fatherhood is that single fountain of grace and life oh, nice. from which everything else comes together and everything else can really make sense. And not just in the head, but also in the heart. And it can heal us, especially where we have those deep wounds. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think just as a... As we look at the Catholic Church, it is the family, the divine family yeah, of God. Yeah. And, you know, who is the head? You know, it is obviously Jesus is the head, but he came to reveal the Father. And it all fits together. It's, yeah. you know, going from the Trinity, the original family, to Adam and Eve, and now the Catholic Church. Right. That is the family of God. Yeah. You know, it's all centered on that, which means, and you talk about this, the, the longing for home. And what is really home? That, 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 that deeper longing that we have to belong, yes. a place where we are made. Um, I, I had this little experience where, uh, as an Irishman, going back for the first time to Ireland, and there was a certain sense that I felt more at home there, the, the, the trees, the fields, the, the, the waves that came in, there was the people, the talk. I was at home in a way that I'd never been in a certain sense here, and at, that we are strangers in a strange land, mm -hmm. but, but we aren't orphans. Yeah. And I think that's that deeper sense that we are called to a home. Mm -hmm. And that home is both here and, and, and eternally, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of coming into relationship with, with Jesus Christ, yeah. with the Holy Spirit, and with God the Father, that we understand they are the family where we long to be. There's a, there's a beautiful uh, memoir written by Susan Cheever about her father, John Cheever, the famous uh, uh, a short story writer, uh, recounting their little brother uh, who would run uh, at the close of day and, and wrap himself around his father's legs and keep repeating, Daddy, I want to go home. Daddy, I want to go home. And, and Susan comments, he was already home, but he wanted his father to pick him up yeah. and carry him into the house. Yeah. This is what we all want. We all want to go home. Yeah. That's so true. That's so true. One of the things that we do a lot of teaching on is, is called the Father's Blessing. And so many of us are lacking the affirmation proclaimed by the Father in particular to be able to speak into the child's life who they are, who they really are, and to, uh, and to call them forth into being who they were created to be. And so we encourage folks to, to go to the Father and listen to his, for His whisper mm. and allow the Father to, 
to speak his blessing because we need words. We need words from the Father and we need words from one another that affirm us, that call forth our identity, our gifts, to reveal the Father's favor, which is so often for us just robbed from us. We're walking under a cloud and yet the Father wants to speak, you are my beloved. And that is the blessing. Uh, stay with us for the final segment of Franciscan University Presents. One of the things that I've come to appreciate about God the Father and that He's taught me is that as our Father, He is looking for us to come to Him on His throne, to cuddle up on His lap, and to trust Him fully in His mercy and His will. Because as we trust our parents, he asks us to trust him too. Recently, a theory that was introduced to me was one in which the liturgy provides this sort of environment in which a person can properly and securely attach themselves to God. So in the prayers, in the music, in the gestures, it sort of allows the person to um, construe God in the proper way as God the Father. Explore the treasures of your Catholic heritage on a Franciscan University pilgrimage. Led by inspiring spiritual directors, you'll walk in the footsteps of saints and martyrs in the Holy Land, Poland, France, and Italy. And you'll deepen your love for Jesus Christ through daily Mass, confession, prayer, and the joy of Christian fellowship. Let Franciscan University lead you on a pilgrimage of faith. Find out more at franciscan.edu pilgrimages. Welcome back to Franciscan University Presents. We've been talking about Abba's heart, you know, God the Father and our relationship with Him. Uh, Regis, could you start us off? Well, um, thank you very much uh, for coming and uh, thank you for this book. It's a beautiful book, uh, mm -hmm. including a, a pretty uh, impressive string of uh, endorsements, <laughs> the testimonies that, that tout uh, the quality of uh, of your your uh, witness. Uh, let me just mention a couple. Uh, one guy said that uh, he was in tears. He felt joy. He felt the presence of of God on the pages uh, that you wrote. I've never written pages like that. <laughs> and, and Mary Healy said that when you read this book, you mm -hmm. fall more deeply in love. Uh, with, with God. And then somebody else said, uh, you tenderized his heart so that he could more easily approach uh, mm -hmm. a God. And then I think some priest said, this is uh, 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 the Trinity in Technicolor, uh, 3D. Yeah. That, I mean, these are dollops of praise that you find uh, heaped on Scott Hahn's book. <laughs> so you're in exalted company. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of another anecdote, which I, I'd like to uh, close out my segment uh, with. Uh, my grandfather uh, loved to tell stories, and as he got older and slightly more senile, the same damn stories over and over again. But one in particular uh, stands out. It's about the guy who was uh, sentenced to hang for his crimes. But the judge said, look, I always allow my prisoners uh, uh, to have a little exercise before uh, they, they hang. And so the prisoner said, well, in that case, Your Honor, I wonder if I might skip the rope. <laughs> <laughs> and I identify with, with that because uh, like everyone else, I too have been sentenced uh, to hang. We're all under judgment. 
I mean, Dr. Johnson reminds us that nothing more concentrates the mind than the knowledge that you are to be hanged in a fortnight. We all want to be reprieved. Uh, and your book provides a recipe uh, mm -hmm. exactly for that reprieve, a pardon uh, uh, from capital punishment. The Father's love mm -hmm. is waiting for us uh, uh, to address him uh, with words of, of entreaty, petition. Turn to me. He's already turned uh, to me. Uh, I, I simply need to acknowledge that. And Jesus comes to mediate uh, that mercy. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's all wonderfully simple. Uh, yeah. Thanks very all much. Right. Thank you. You know, without the Father's love, our faith is just a bunch of doctrines and rules and customs that you do because you have to, you know. And it is a kind of employer-employee experience for many, many people. But when you look at the Father's love, then everything is not only united, but sort of orchestrated in terms of something that just seems to be too good to be true, except it's true. Yes, we're pardoned. Yes, we're healed. But even more, we're adopted. Mm -hmm. You know, we're brought home. We're, we're actually declared to be children of God. And God can't just declare something without doing it. When he said, let there be light, suddenly the light shines in the darkness. When he says, let them be children, we're, we're, we're bursting forth with, with new life. And, and so, you know, a few minutes ago, I was talking about how, as an evangelical, Jesus was my Savior and Lord, and then I discovered God the Father. But that doesn't in any way diminish the evangelical experience. Mm -hmm. If anything, it enriches and it intensifies it to realize that my Savior and Lord shows me the Father, that what it means to be saved, well, yeah, it's pardoned, it's healed, but it really is a homecoming. And I don't have to wait until the end. When we go to Mass, we're home. We're partaking of the flesh and the blood that makes us a family. And I just think your book does a wonderful job of reinvigorating other things that, things that could be otherwise doctrine, rules, customs, you know, that sort of thing. So I'm also very grateful for yeah, what you've you. written here. Thank you. Thanks, Scott. Neil? Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really grateful that my son came alongside of me to help yeah. me to write this book. And I think that uh, I, I was stuck. I just couldn't quite get the words to explain what was in my heart until he came along to help me, and it's just, just so interesting. There's a father-son relationship that, right. that gave birth to the book. And uh, you, know, there's, you know, I've spoken to a number of uh, folks that work with college students, and they've told me that it seems like almost every year the next class comes from a darker place, right. yeah. from, a, from a darker place because it's just a loss of family, there's a loss of fatherhood and motherhood, loss of direction, loss of faith. And, uh, and so there's this, this great emptiness and hopelessness about how can the, the darkness of my life be redeemed? Mm. How can, when I was orphaned or rejected or beaten or sexually abused, how can it be redeemed? Well, there's, there's a lot of things along the way, but as Jesus redeems us, the fullness of the restoration and healing is to know that you really have a Father right. that has always loved you, and that when you went through what you went through, He was weeping over you. He was with you in your pain and weeping over you, and His promise, I'll send my Son to save you and redeem you. And that redemption isn't simply for heaven. <laughs> it's, it's for now, and He wants to release grace into every orphan's life, 
and to every slave's, uh, to release everybody from their slave mentality, to set us free to know the Father. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Neil. Uh, if you've enjoyed today's program, um, we have an excerpt from uh, Neil's book uh, that you can get at faithandreason.com or just for asking an excerpt from um, Abba's Heart. Um, ultimately for us, my friends, is, is the question of who, who are we? What is our purpose? What is our meaning in life? And we'll only know that in relationship with the Father. And that's the reason that Christ came into the world, uh, so that he could reveal the Father to us. So we need to understand who we are. We need to hear the whisper of the Father saying, you are my beloved son, you are my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased. And that identity changes us. And that identity flows into how our gifts and talents are used in this world. And the abundant life that God has in store for us, that abundant life is meant to be an overflowing. Our cup is supposed to overflow with the love of God the Father into this world. And our world is wounded and it's broken. And you, you are the gospel that they need. You are the love of God the Father uh, that we have uh, to share with this world. So I just want to invite you first to just claim your identity as a royal son and daughter of the king. We're not orphans. We're not slaves. We are, we are royal sons and daughters. And uh, royal sons and daughters were stewards of a kingdom. So let's claim the authority that God has given us, the gifts and talents and the spheres of influence that we have. How do we go out? How do we change our world? How do we restore this world so in need of the saving message of Jesus Christ? How do we do that? And the Father will send you because it's a Father who confirms your identity and sends you on mission. Uh, with that, I, I want to invite you to be a part of Franciscan University's mission because we believe we are to educate, to evangelize, and send forth joyful disciples so that we can restore all areas of our world to Christ. And I want to invite you to come uh, to our campus here in Steubenville, Ohio to get your degree, to get trained, to get equipped, to be formed, or go to our online programs to be nourished, to be fed with the truth and the beauty and the goodness that is the Catholic faith. Come to our summer conferences or on our pilgrimages to holy shrines around the world to renew and deepen your faith. Um, or come with us to faithandreason.com where you have videos, you have deeper insights uh, to equip you for the mission of the new evangelization. And until next time, may the Lord bless you and keep you. To download the free handout on today's topic, go to faithandreason.com. Email your request for the handout to presents at franciscan.edu. At faithandreason.com, you can also purchase past episodes of Franciscan University Presents or request today's free handout and purchase past programs by calling 888-333-0381. That's 888-333-0381 or call 740-283-6357.